Hi, my name is Caroline, and I'm so glad that you're joining us on our Grace Journey podcast. At Grace Church, we are all about knowing God and reflecting His way. I hope this sermon will do just that by feeding your mind with the knowledge of God and engaging your heart to live a life reflecting His grace and truth. Growing up, I always thought my older brother, Wesley, was super cool. He skateboarded, he had long hair, he was six years older than me, which meant automatic pool points. He was cool. He and my older sister didn't get along very well. They fought like cats and dogs, but not me. He got along with me. Sometimes I'd stay up late with him, and we'd watch his big kid movies together. They were rated PG-13. Now, he fast-forwarded all the parts I wasn't allowed to see, but I still felt really grown up. Well, with a six-year age gap, he moved out of the house long before I did. By the time I was starting high school in Kenya, he was halfway through college in the U.S., and it was too far away for him to come visit more than once or twice a year. So every time he came home, it was a big deal. I remember one particular time. He was coming home for Christmas, and he was set to arrive a few days before the holiday. I think I had even more trouble sleeping the night before he landed than the night before Christmas that year. I was so excited. I just, I just couldn't sleep. I would toss and turn. I'd fall asleep restlessly. Then I'd wake up and check the clock. Is it time yet? Still the middle of the night. Fall back asleep, kind of dozing. Wake up, check the clock. Still not time yet. By the time it finally got to the morning, by the time the sun was rising, I just gave up on sleeping. And I got up to watch that sunrise. And let me tell you, after that long of a night, that was a beautiful dawn. I don't know if I'd ever had a night that long. But that anticipation, that sense of waiting, is what Advent is all about. But instead of waiting for a beloved big brother, we're waiting for our Savior. We are remembering the weight of the people of Israel for the Messiah, even as we ourselves are remembering that as members of the body of Christ, we're waiting for his return. So to capture that sense of waiting, of expectation, our theme for this Advent is awaiting the dawn. I have a feeling I'm not the only one here who has had that sort of sleepless night when you're wishing it was already morning. We all know that feeling, right? We all know that type of waiting. Maybe your sleepless night was excitement like mine. Maybe it was the night before Christmas when you were a kid, and your mind was so filled with visions of stocking, filled to the brim, and the untold glory of unopened presents under the tree that you just couldn't sleep. You were too excited. And all you wanted was for morning to come. Or maybe it was the night before your first job, and your stomach was full of butterflies, and you were nervous, but you were also so ready for it to be the morning so that you could prove you had what it took. Or maybe your waiting was a different kind. Maybe you were desperate for it to be the morning because you were afraid. Maybe you were afraid of the dark. 
and you just wanted the dawn to come so that the daylight would chase the shadows away. Or maybe you were lying in bed, about to fall asleep, and you heard a noise outside your window. Probably just a raccoon, right? But what if it wasn't? What if someone was there? There goes sleep. Or maybe you weren't worried about yourself at all, but you were worried about someone you loved, someone far away, and you just wanted morning to come so that you could make sure they were okay. Whatever the reason, we all know that feeling of waiting, unable to speed up time, but so ready for it to be the morning. Why can't the dawn just come? On a larger level, that sleepless night is a metaphor for our lives in Christ. There are good things in life, sunny days, friendship, celebration, thanksgiving. And they remind us that there are even better days ahead, that we, when we will spend eternity with our beloved Savior. But at the same time, life is so often so hard. And in those moments, we just want Jesus to come back so that all the pain, all the bad, all the suffering will be over. We hear about a diagnosis and our hearts break. Or we think of loved ones we've already lost. And all we want is to be reunited with them in eternity. Or maybe it's even less personal than that. We hear about a terrible tragedy somewhere in the world. And in that moment of sorrow, of pain, even of despair for the state of our world, we wonder why Jesus hasn't come back yet. Why hold off? Why wait 2,000 years and counting? Why? It's like the whole world is stuck in that sleepless night of waiting, and the night seems unending. Where is the dawn? Why hasn't it come? Well, the Christians of the early church expected Jesus to come back any day. So as the years started to pass, they began to ask the same question. Why hasn't he come back yet? When the Apostle Paul wrote to them, he used the same imagery we're using today, night and day, to talk about the experience of living in this life while waiting expectantly for the next. Our epistle reading today comes from Paul's letter to the Romans. For a little bit of context, he starts off this letter with a long, rich theological explanation of sin, our fallen human nature, our need for Jesus to save us. Then he explained how God has saved us through Jesus, including the history of salvation from the Hebrew people and the law through Jesus' incarnation, death, resurrection, and future return. And then he goes into this section where he spends about four chapters writing about how we live right now in the present, having been saved by Jesus, being sanctified by the Spirit, and living in expectation of Jesus' return, how do we live? It's in the middle of this section that he gives this little summary moment that we read today. and He ties back the Christian living in the present back to the future he's already described. In effect, he puts our life right now in the context of this grand narrative of salvation. He says to his readers, essentially, look, you know what time it is. 
You know that it's nighttime right now. But you also know what is coming, even if you don't know when. The night may seem long, but nights don't last forever. Each passing moment brings us closer, the dawn. Don't fall asleep. Wake up. The dawn is coming. So, consequently, when will the dawn come? Why isn't it here yet? That's the wrong question. Paul is reminding his readers that it is coming, that Jesus is coming back, even if we don't know when. The right question instead is how do we live like people of the day, even when it is still nighttime? How do we live like resurrected people when Jesus hasn't come back yet? How do we live knowing that Jesus has won the ultimate victory, that evil is defeated and death destroyed, even when we still see both of them at work in the world? How do we live like Jesus, not some politician in Washington, is really in power? How do we live like all the suffering of the world and in our lives will somehow be made right? How do we live like a funeral is not a final goodbye? How do we live like we will get to see Jesus face to face? Because all those things are true. They just haven't reached their fullness yet. The sun exists even in the middle of the night. Dawn is coming. Even the longest night, each passing moment brings the dawn closer. How do we live as people of the day even when it is still nighttime? Advent is a season of waiting, so there's no better time than now to ask these questions. We remember the Israelites waiting for the promised Messiah. We remember Mary waiting for her baby to be born. And we remember that we are waiting that this life is night before the dawn. We're so ready for that dawn to come. And as we wait, we have to stop and remember that asking when and why not now is not the right approach. Instead, we need to live in confidence of the dawn. Now, if you aren't in that place of waiting right now, or rather, if you aren't in a place where you're experiencing that right now, I want to invite you to step into it for Advent. Step into the discomfort of waiting. The Bible says that all creation is groaning like a woman giving birth as the whole universe waits for Jesus' return. Step into that groaning, that waiting. Or better yet, remember. Remember that that is the reality of when you are living. As Paul says, you know what time it is. And what time is it? It is now the moment for you to wake from sleep. If you are already in that place where you are very aware that you are waiting, where you are feeling all the pangs, all the groaning, all the pain of waiting, then my invitation to you is to embrace it. For the season of Advent, Radically accept the discomfort of waiting. Don't try to change it. Don't try to fix it. Let it wake you up. Don't fall asleep. Let the discomfort of waiting remind you 
that you're uncomfortable for a reason. If you are a Christian, you don't belong in this world. You belong in eternity with Jesus. If you are a Christian, this life is not the fullness of your life. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. If you are a Christian, you're not a person who belongs in the nighttime, but someone who belongs to the day. And then as you remember that you're waiting, as you let it wake you up and remind you of who you are in Christ and of when you are living, when you remember this, take that next step that Paul gives to his readers. Live as people of the day. Live as if dawn has already come, even though it hasn't yet. What does that look like? It looks like trusting God, relying on him, and prioritizing the things he prioritizes instead of going with our human instincts. Give until it hurts. Feed the poor. Clothe the naked. Visit the sick and those in prison. Pursue holiness. Follow God's guidelines, even when you don't understand why he said certain things. And when everyone else says something that God calls sin is okay, stand firm. Trust that God knows what he is talking about. Listen to the Holy Spirit and follow where he leads, even if it seems crazy. And a lot of times it does, because God has a sense of humor. Practice prayerful listening to the Spirit. Pray over your decisions and follow God. And when you make decisions, give them to him and trust him to work in them. All of that is living as people of the light. But it's still pretty abstract. Let me give you a couple concrete examples of what this might look like. When I was studying to become a priest, I didn't have a lot of extra money. And there was one particular time when I wasn't sure how I was going to pay my seminary bills plus my just life bills, food and stuff like that, and get by that month financially. But out of the blue, a friend contacted me. She told me that she had made her first sale as a real estate agent, and she wanted to give a portion of her profit away as a way of honoring God. So she gave me $500 for my seminary expenses that month, and it carried me through the month. When she lived like a person of the daylight, honoring God, with her finances, and trusting him to provide, God used her to take care of me. But let's bring it a little closer home to Grace. We used to have a young woman here in the church whose living situation changed very suddenly. And when everything happened, she had to find a new place to live basically overnight. Well, Richard and Lise Kent from here at Grace agreed on the spot to let her live with them until she got things sorted out. And with the help of a few volunteers from the church, she was able to pack up all her belongings and move in with them right away. She ended up staying with them for a couple months and then eventually pursuing an opportunity out of state. And she's not the only person they've hosted. They are constantly opening their home to people for visits, short and long, a quiet lifestyle of godly hospitality that witnesses to God's love to each person they host. These are just two small examples of what it can look like to live as people of the dawn. It isn't always big actions. In fact, more often than not, it's small acts of faithfulness and faith. Acts of kindness and grace and love like that are the way people of the daylight live. 
They give without expecting return. They forgive, and they care. And all of it is because they love Jesus and are confident that he is coming back. And when we do that, when we live like that, we give each other and everyone else little glimpses of what the full light of day will be like. It gives us a foretaste of the dawn. And it reminds us that it is more than worth the wait, no matter how long, until the dawn of Jesus' return. Amen. Thanks again for listening. To find out more about what's going on here at Grace Church, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, our website, graceocala.org, or, of course, on our campus here in sunny Ocala, Florida. Go in peace.